You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Monday the 10th of January. Fairly gloomy morning here in TW11, but again, not all that cold. It was pretty grim Sandown Park Saturday, but every so often, and it doesn't matter what country you're in, what code it's under, a performance comes along that just blows you away and gets everybody excited. And boy, we need that through these dark winter months. David Yates was at Sandown Park on Saturday to witness the victory of Constitution Hill in the Tolworth Hurdle. Dave, for those who weren't able to be there, uh, just give us a flavour of the day and the impact that that performance from Nicky Henderson's star had on it. Well, to put it in a setting, we have to talk about the weather first of all, Nick. And it was an absolutely filthy day at Sandown on Saturday. Andrew Cooper had warned us that there was an organised band of rain coming. And I hate those uh, disorganised bands of rain, by the way. Anyway, um, it was a filthy day. It was cold and it was very wet. And my goodness, didn't it need a horse uh, to illuminate the afternoon uh, like some shiny beacon. And it certainly got that. We, we know all about racing's hype machine. Certainly uh, the trade paper, the Racing Post, uh, didn't hold back on Saturday morning with regard to uh, proclaiming Constitution Hill as uh, a, a possible second coming. And wasn't he impressive? Uh, he thundered to a 12-length victory. It was a small field. There were six runners. But th- there was... P- plenty of quality in there and the Tolworth has thrown up some really good horses over the years and it looks for all the world as if this is the latest one doesn't it talking about the hype machine I I, I fully row in with attempts to pour a little bit of cold water on nascent superstars before they actually get there I think that's our role but I, I think that after this horse had won uh, the Tolworth, I think it's very, very hard not to be extremely excited about him. He, he beat Jetoile, uh, a first runner at the highest level for Ryan Potter by 12 lengths, and he's now favourite for the Supreme Novices Hurdler. As as we know, Nicky Henson is self-isolating after a, a COVID-19 diagnosis last week, and he said, there's no medicine in the world like that. It'll kill anything. Of the first eight horses in the betting for uh, the curtain raiser at the Cheltenham Festival. Seven Burrows has the first two. Constitution Hill displaced uh, John Bon as favourite for that race. And, you know, it's it's it, he, he looks such an exciting horse. And for all that one tries to keep a lid on one's enthusiasm and, and the need to, to temper the hype, which is a responsible thing to do, my, wasn't he, wasn't he good? Well, I'm joined now by the breeder of Constitution Hill, Sally Newt. Constitution Hill bred in Britain before being exported to Ireland and has made his way home again. Sally, it's been a a while since Constitution Hill um, flew the nest, but uh, how special is it for you as somebody who foaled and and reared this horse to see him turn into what could be a bit of a superstar? Well, it's incredible. I don't know how to explain it. It's just wonderful, worth all the hard work. I mean, it's, it's your dream, isn't it? A dream as a breeder, that you would breed a horse of that quality. 
We, we say it a lot here, but it, it really is true. It, it, trying to breed horses to win big races over jumps, it's a, it's a real passion, a, a real labour of love. It requires an enormous amount of patience. Just, just give us an idea of, of why you do it. It's, it, well, it's the love, love the sport. Um, I love horses. I love having them at home. Love looking after them. Um, and it's just the thrill. It's just so exciting. Um, and obviously, you know, when you when you we've hit the jackpot with this one, it's fantastic. So it's say so it's all it's all worthwhile. And it's just I, I love it. It's it's just my life really, looking after the horses, and um, they give you so much pleasure. And how did you how did you get involved in the in the in the breeding side of it? Well, my husband bought me my first racehorse from Nigel Twiston Davis, and I've got horses. I mean, I'm, I was just like a happy hacker, really, and our daughter uh, was really involved. She started to do a bit of eventing, and uh, so we had. Then he bought me another racehorse, and then uh, I used to have them home, really, in the um, you know, in the summer when they weren't racing, and then um, I thought I've got to. We've got a lovely stable block here, and I thought, well, I've got a, a lovely two big stables. So Nick, I've got a lot of credit does go to Nick Williams on all this because he is, um, apart from Nigel, we have the first two of Nigel. Nick Williams has bought my horses really for me. He's very knowledgeable on breeding, and uh, he buys a lot, a lot of horses from France, really. And I asked him to look out for two broodmares, and I bought two, um, but two from France. And I sort of, one was from a very, well, they both had very good pages. And the one that, sadly, the one did die. But the other one that I have got, she's connected to Sir Deschamp and other two, I mean, who did, you know, the grade one races. So her foals do have quite a bit of interest. And um, and then it's progressed from there, really. He bought me Capsulet. Capsulet was our best racehorse. And she was a grade one. She was like a really top mare. And I'm breeding of her now. And um, so, um, and then, so it, everything really has come through. And he advised me, not fairness to him, he advised me when um, I bought, I bought Queen of the Stage off him. I didn't, I didn't own her as a racehorse, but when she finished her career, Nick said, "Would you like to buy her?" And I said, "Yes." And it was his suggestion to put her to Blue Brazil. So I can't take the credit on that. It was I had. He advises me, to be honest, Nick Williams on who to put them to we always have a chat really about who I'm putting the horses to and it's a good match and uh, it's been it's been a great help in that you know in that respect really so lots of credit to, to Nick Williams queen of the stage yeah. a, a really smart mayor herself by by King's yeah. Theatre when yeah. this uh, bay cult by by blue Brazil emerged what did you think <laughs> little foal because we're only a small concern that the foals are handled quite a lot and actually queen of stage um she had an injury she came back because she would they always go to simon boarding um to to give birth and um well if obviously they stop in, in england but sometimes they do go obviously go to france uh, and she had an injury so she was in quite a bit so he was in obviously with her um and he was just just a lovely lovely quiet quiet foal really um and i've had um obviously i've had i've had three three off of her but sadly i did lose the, the filly she was she was a jack hobbs but she was she was huge she was lovely i was going to keep her and race her but in all fairness they were all being very quiet really and uh little the little filly that I've got now that's going to the sale. I mean, she is, she's lovely. It's like, you know, 
do you really want do I really want to go out it's raining she's a bit like that really um, they're all all quite placid um, Sally do you really want to sell your filly you know you've got a half sister there to, to Constitution <laughs> here like I, 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 surely you want to keep her don't you well I mean there's always a temptation isn't there I mean, I could say that about... I've got this lovely um, diamond boy as well from Capsulet. He's huge. He's, he's stunning to look at. You can't keep them all, can you? And you've got to, I've made the, I made the decision before all this happened that I was going to sell them this year. Because um, I've had, you know, I think... Because I lost, I lost Diana. I lost the one, um, the 18-month one, and then I lost the next one of hers at birth. She, um, he had an... He had, he had major complications. I mean, he did an emergency operation. We, did, we couldn't save him. So I think, you know, I've just had a sort of a bit of a funny run. So I need to really sell them, really. Although it is very tempting, very tempting to keep. But I should get pleasure out of watching them. And I'm, I'm guessing at some, uh, at some stage you need to do something to keep the, keep the line going, don't you? Yes, yes, I will. I will. I will. I will have to keep one. Yeah, along the way. Yes, I will. Definitely. Say so if she does, maybe she has a um, a filly next time because we are going to put her back to Blue Brazil again now. Um, so if we if we did have a filly, maybe I would keep it. And you know, yeah. yeah, and 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 just watching on on Saturday, just give me a give me an indication of the sort of buzz that you all got seeing seeing him do what he did. Well, I was screaming at the television. <laughs> I mean, it was it was just just incredible. I mean, it was. Um, I mean, our horse. It was a bit. It was like a. My, Capsulet came second at Cheltenham in the festival, and she was beaten by Lorena. Do you remember Lorena? I do. And like, I mean, to me, that was a bit of. I used to get. I used to call that that freak horse. But I mean, in all fairness, that's where he 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 stormed it. It was. He, he reminded me of a Lorena run. He just was so far ahead of everybody else. It was incredible. Um, no, absolutely. Well, I, I just say I can't stop. I've still got butterflies in my stomach now, thinking about it. And Cheltenham, I'll be, I'll be beside myself. As the breeder of Constitution Hill, Sally Newt. So an awful lot of people uh, getting an awful lot of pleasure out of this. Uh, Sally and also Barry Geraghty, who produced the horse, and uh, Warren Ewing, who helped him do so. And obviously now Nicky Henderson and Michael Buckley, for whom it was a third Tolworth hurdle, a sixth for Henderson. And clearly the question afterwards uh, Dave to Anderson and he he came on my program yesterday and he went on Sky Sports as well uh, talking about Constitution Hill and John Bond his two star novices would be whether he would be tempted to try and split them up at the Cheltenham Festival his first in- instinct was no but he was sort of rolling around um, the idea of, of double entering both horses and giving himself the option I'd be surprised if we don't see them both in the Supreme Novices you can see that it's a trainer's instinct that if he's got two very good ones, then, well, why run them in the same race? You know, we all get that. But in this instance, I, I think at this point in their careers, he was also apt to stress, uh, as we spoke to um, Nicky Henderson from the, the press room uh, via a mobile phone on, on Saturday, that you know th- this is only the, the start of these horses' careers. They were both bought to be steeplechasers. That's where he sees them uh, in the future. And hurdling as such, albeit a very prestigious and for us enjoyable prelude, that's what it is uh, to the main uh, stage of their careers. So uh, at this point, I- I'd be surprised if he did split them up. I think we'll both see them in the first race at the Cheltenham Festival on March the 15th. I, I must confess, although I am normally somebody who would l- love 
all the best horses to run against each other. We'll talk about this more in a, in a, in a moment. These two races are, are established races, the, the two-mile and two-and-a-half-mile championship novice hurdles at the Cheltenham Festival are long-established races. And I I think I would be quite tempted to 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 run John Bon in the Supreme and Constitution Hill, who clearly would would stay two and a half miles standing on his head in the in the longer race. I, I that that would be I think what I would do if I was Henderson. I, and I'm fully prepared to to take the brick bats from everybody listening for for advocating that. I don't think you'll get any brick bats. I think that that if 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 that's what they did, then that's the race. Those are the races they would go for. Clearly, aren't they? That John Bon would stay at two miles and. Yeah, I mean the, the the way that the way that Constitution Hill uh, galloped to the winning line at Sandown on Saturday, yeah, of course he would stay two and a half miles. I think the way that the trainer would look at it would probably be uh, if I had either one but not both of these horses, which race would I ideally run them in? And I think the answer to that question at the moment is the Supreme Novices. As I say, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's a ridiculous idea, Nick, by any means. And I don't think you'll get brickbats for making the suggestion. And, and definitely, if you do split them up, then that's the way that they would go. But I suspect that we'll probably see them in the Supreme Novices. Yeah, on the subject of John Bond, the other very good novice hurdler in, in Nicky Henderson's schedule, he's got several, but the other one that's very high profile, he could take on seniors in the contenders hurdle at Sandown Park. Now, I wonder if that is a race that might be under some significant threat under the new blueprint for jump racing that will be formulated by the Jump Racing Review Group, details of which are um, somewhat opaque, but were fleshed out a little by Ruth Quinn, the BHA's Director of Racing, last week, as Lydia and I discussed, Dave, on on Friday afternoon. If if you listen to Friday's NLD, you'll be aware of uh, the... Uh, quality jump racing review group and uh, what it sets out to do but if you if you didn't the uh, it was set up in May in a response to what had been a, a pretty chastening spring uh, for British jump racing there was the the 23-5 defeat in the Presbury Cup of course no one cares about the Presbury Cup but uh, the fact that British train runners could win just five of the 28 races was obviously worrying. And so this was set up to uh, to examine ways in which British jump racing could become more competitive through the season and appeal to both its existing audience and a potentially new audience uh, through the months leading to the spring festivals. And also when we get to those spring festivals, as a result of a more competitive campaign, perhaps avoid the, the drubbing we received last spring. With regard to the recommendations, prize money, uh, a boost to that uh, is on the table. Obviously, that's a, an issue that never goes away, both on the flat and over jumps. Uh, this would encourage perhaps owners who have their horses trained elsewhere to look at Britain. Um, secondly, the the idea of, of changing certain graded races, which are weight for age conditions races, to or back to handicaps. It was mentioned that the Clarence House chase, of course, at Ascot a week on Saturday uh, was one of the races that was uh, mooted for possible change and also to to limit the opportunities for the the good horses to avoid each other in the run up to Cheltenham I, I think these are these are laudable aims whether the problem is quite as bad as it seemed last spring or whether that whether the Cheltenham and Aintree festivals were something of an outlier 
uh, we will have to see. Personally, I, I, I don't think that these are uh, game changers in that respect, but they're certainly, I, I think they're laudable aims, and, and whether they're reflected in uh, in a levelling up at the spring festivals or not, I think that they're worth implementing because, as I said at the start of this, then the, the aim is not just uh, the spring festivals, but it's also to make the, the British jump racing season uh, more competitive and more attractive. Well, in order for the Quality Jump Racing Review Group's aspirations to become real, it, it sort of really needs the assent of a number of uh, different parties. Yes, sure, a lot of stakeholders within the sport race courses and uh, people who own, train, breed horses, but also the Horse Race Betting Levy Board. Um, they could be quite crucial to the success of this. Their chief executive is Alan Del Monte. Alan, you you spend your life analysing the you know financial success, the commercial success of races of all different types. In principle, are you behind what the uh, Quality Jump Racing Review Group is is proposing? Thanks, Nick. Yes, in principle, we are. Uh, the Levy Board wasn't on the uh, group as a formal member, but we did make a contribution to it. And the the themes that we uh, expressed to the group are reflected in the the main outcomes of of what has come out in in recent days and the particular focus on uh, grade two uh, chases in particular and the uncompetitiveness of them on average is something that um, a number of people had identified in recent months and the figures certainly back that up um, and we'd be certainly supportive of uh, of initiatives that. Um, reduce the total number of races in that sphere and where sensible converted some of them into into handicaps which uh, on average do seem to have a a better performance in betting terms and also as a public spectacle so if i'm going to be crude about it if you're talking about novice races so for horses having their first season theoretically steeplechasing you might contract those so there are fewer opportunities and I say you, or you would give it your backing to that. And for um, for sort of more open grade two races, you would try and maybe uh, give support to, to those being made into into handicaps. Yes, um, it, we'd be uh, we, we wouldn't be wanting to take the lead on the technical aspects of race planning. The, the BHA is uh, and it, and its advisory committee is the best place to do that. But if the if the overall objective is to was to identify where there seems to be. Uh, a surplus of races uh, that could potentially be either reduced or converted into more competitive races. The, the figures certainly would uh, suggest that, that that there is that surplus, and that some judicious pruning of the of the program could have some some benefits. But clearly, the the way in which uh, that's done uh, will have to take into account the views of of the practitioners as well but if you start yeah. with the principles we, we, we were pretty comfortable with where that came to and there are a number of practitioners on this review group as well i mean dan skelton leading trainer for example i think emma lavelle's on there brian drew quite prominent owner a lot of horses with with david pipe and various others he's on there as and dan skelton he's on there as well so yeah there's there's practitioners on the review group so i, I doubt anything's going to be pushed through without sort of consent of, of, of quite a few of them um, the sweetener, of course, for people who are, are bemoaning fewer individual race opportunities is the fact that, that in order to make this fly, and you, if you are contracting races, you want lots of money on for them. How are you going to be able to help in that regard? 
Well, that's, uh, as, as the, the note from the, the BHA said last week, the question of funding has yet to be addressed. But if we step back and look at the way the levy board overall funds flat and jump racing, the amounts of money that we give is directed by how much betting turnover flat and jump racing in totality generates. So if we kept to that principle, that which is broadly 60-40, it fluctuates a bit, but if we say 60-40, 60% flat, 40% jump based on total number of fixtures, you, you either would um, have to uh, move the money around the jumping share so if you wanted to put more into certain types of race you'd have to take it away from somewhere else or you say actually there's a particular special case that some element of jump racing needs particular attention and for a period of time you would suspend that 60 40 rule and give more to jumping for a, a period of time. Um, we'd be receptive to a case that was made for that, but obviously you have to look at that against the overall budget and, and whether it, um, depriving flat racing of a bit of levy money is, a, is the right thing to do. Alan Del Monte there, uh, Chief Executive of the Horse Race Betting Levy Board. There's hardly a trainer in better form at the moment in Great Britain than Jeremy Scott, who trains uh, in Exmoor and, and joins me now. Uh, the line from Exmoor is as, as clear as it's ever been, which is, uh, which is lovely. But Jeremy, things going incredibly well with uh, five winners in the last fortnight, continuing the good run since the new year. And um, you, you struck with the longest price winner of anybody on Saturday with Pilsden Penn at Wing Canton. When 80 to 1 shots are going in, you know things are going well. Yeah, well, it was, you know, to me, it was always slightly overpriced. I was expecting him to be nearer sort of between um, 10 and 20 to 1. So, um, yeah, 80 to 1 was probably yeah too big. But, you know, the horse, horse had improved as he'd gone along. And, you know, he obviously took to that soft ground, whereas a lot of them obviously didn't cope with it very well. And he was ridden by Rex Dingle, who's riding a lot of your, your horses at the moment, and seems to be... Um, you're riding with with great confidence and assurance. You must be very pleased with the way he's he's progressing. Yeah, I think Rex is actually a, he's a he's a good talent actually, and he's been well looked after by Anthony Honeyball uh, and uh, Roddy Green as as uh, his jockey coach. But he's just I, you know I think the young lads coming through have been really well taught and and you know know how to behave and uh, you know they they just have got a head start on on. You know, a lot of people who in the past probably didn't have that guidance. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's a he's a bright lad, and he and he rides very very well. And as I say, um, he he won on Pilsen Pen on on Saturday, but he's had higher profile rides for you, none more high profile than your stable star Dashiell Drasher, who I mean, for all it was not his most high profile victory by any means, the win at Newbury the other day. It seemed to it seemed to sort of touch people even more than than normal. I mean, why do you think that is? Well, I think people people love a horse that goes out in front and and, and looks very very difficult to pass, and I think they just admire that courage and and determination. And I, I you know I think it, it definitely strikes a chord with people. Um, but he, you know, I mean, he just has a very good attitude, doesn't he? He's got a wonderful attitude. He's a. How many generations have you have you had of this family? I know you've told us before, but uh, your your wife Camilla bred him, and uh, you you go back how far? Well, pro- probably five or six generations. 
Um, it all goes back to a mare that Nicky Henderson had uh, years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they, they probably didn't use terribly good stallions for a long time, but um, a passing glance seems to have worked. It's a miracle on the on the family. Uh, he has. Uh, is is he all systems go for the race that he won last year, the, the grade one Ascot chase in, in mid-February? Yeah, that's the plan. And, you know, we've got the option of the Silviani Conte coming up this weekend, and there's that nice, valuable two-mile six race at Lingfield. Um, but... You know, ground is um, fairly key to him. Uh, where Ling um, Kempton may well be almost on the um, uh, too quick side for him. I think it's soft, good to soft in places there now. And Lingfield almost certainly is going to be very. Um, even though there's not much rain forecast, uh, it, you know, it could just be very gluey and, and dead and deep there. But you'd, you, it sounds to me like instinctively you'd like to run him in the Silvianarco Conti at Kempton this weekend if, if conditions were right. Yeah, I think that would be our preferred option. Just, just it gives us a bit more time before Ascot as well. Uh, but he's come out of the Newbury race well, evidently. Yeah, he came out very well. And, and, and that was our worry that, you know, it was after our previous run at Ascot, you know, we were going to go an awful long time before we got another run, uh, and the hurdle race was actually just just quite a nice way to give give them a bit of a pipe opener. Um, Jeremy, your your regular stable jockey has been out of action this season, Matt Griffiths, because of that horrendous car accident that he was involved in uh, last year. Um, what's the update on him? Yeah, he's um, actually in pretty good form. He, he's been up and seen us um, several times. He's he's back at home now. Uh, physically, he looks very good. Um, you, you really wouldn't know the, the, that he'd been in such a terrible accident. Um, but mentally, that you know, he's had a, he's had a really nasty head injury. Uh, so whilst he can remember all horses and, and, and regularly tells me what I'm doing wrong or what I where I should be placing them, he um, yeah, his short term memory wouldn't be great. Um, and uh, you know his balance and eyesight are probably slightly affected by it as well. Um, he's not back up on a horse, but it, but it'd be nice to think that um, relatively soon he'd be able to at least get up and ride a ride a quiet horse anyway. Jeremy Scott there, and Dave clearly uh, Matt Griff is still a, a long way to go in certain aspects of his recovery from that that horrendous accident. But but lovely news insofar as he's up and about, and it might not be too long before he he gets to sit on a quiet horse. Yeah, that really is amazing news. Um, Matt Griffiths was in uh, a coma as a result of that uh, car crash, which was last October. We we knew that it would be a long uh, path to recovery. We didn't know quite how long. And and the news that uh, he's able to, he will soon be able to get back on a quiet horse is 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 magnificent news. And it's uh, it's particularly welcome. It comes on the back of the news that uh, Aidan MacDonald, uh, who suffered that uh, stroke in Middleham High Street um, last spring, that that he's back riding out at at Mickey Hammond. So those are two really good news stories about jockeys who've sustained serious injuries away from the track. They've still, both of them still got a long way to go, I'm sure. But uh, those, the, the, the news that has come both, from Jeremy Scott and from Mickey Hammond over uh, the last few days is is really welcome. Uh, now, Dave, a little bit of news that you've gathered this morning as regards a past Cheltenham Festival hero um, for France. 
Yes, well, it was just I was just following up the story that uh, Prongard, this uh, very promising and already high level winner. Uh, in the cross-country discipline in France has been purchased by J.P. McManus, trained previously in partnership uh, by Guillaume Macaire and uh, Hector de uh, Lajeunette, I hope I've pronounced uh, the Latin name correctly, that he will now go uh, to Ender Bolger and will be prepared for the cross-country chase, the Glen Farkless cross-country chase at Cheltenham, a record, of course, uh, a, a race in which his owner, new owner, J.P. McManus, has an enviable record. But um, there was a, a, a supplementary to this, and I, I just wondered what had happened to Easysland. Of course, a, a, a horse who really burst onto the scene uh, when winning the, the cross-country chase by 17 lengths in March 2020. He beat Tiger Roll that day and, and then was beaten by the same rival in the same race uh, back at Cheltenham last March. Um, we knew that Easysland had left... Uh, David Cotton, remember, he, he suffered from equine herpes, of course, didn't he, in, in the run-up uh, to that defeat at the Cheltenham Festival last spring. Um, he is now with John Joe O'Neill, where he's being prepared for another crack at the cross-country chase. Uh, Frank Berry, the racing manager to JP McManus, uh, said this morning that um, they'd have one run and then aim for Cheltenham. Uh, remember that this horse was high up in the anti-post lists for last year's Grand National, didn't, of course, run at Aintree. I asked uh, Frank Berry whether the National would be on the cards once again, and he said, um, not really. With the issues that he's got, he said, not with his rating. And I thought, hang on a minute, what's he rated? 167. He'll surely get in off 167. But I got the wrong end of the stick. What Frank Berry meant uh, was that given the the issues that the horse has had, we've not seen him since that uh, defeat at Cheltenham last March, that they felt that the that the National was aiming a bit high. But that's the news with Easy's Land. Now with John Joe O'Neill at Jackdaw's Castle, we'll have one run with the aim of getting back his title in the Glen Farclass cross-country chase at Cheltenham in March. And finally, Dave, do you have a tip for me for today? Yes, we're going to the first race at Wolverhampton today, Nick. That's the four o'clock, and the horse here is Dark Design. Uh, made a winning debut for Henry Spiller. That was at Chelmsford City over six furlongs. The three wins in Ireland were all at a mile, so the seven furlongs today shouldn't be a problem at all. Christian Howarth the latest of the ex-footballers to join the jockey's ranks. He claims an invaluable £7 here. And I take Dark Design to go in again. Four o'clock at Wolverhampton. Selection is number one, Dark Design. All right, Dave, thanks so much. That was Monday, January the 10th. We'll see you again to do it all again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily. Brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.